It seems like we just keep talking about fear, doesn't it? And we keep talking about the phrase, do not be afraid. In fact, I just preached a sermon titled, Get Up and Do Not Be Afraid, back in February on Transfiguration Sunday. Remember how the disciples were face down on the ground after hearing the voice from heaven on the mountaintop? At that time, we talked about the many times in the Bible when the message, do not be afraid, has been the message of angels, and then also the message of Jesus. We were reminded that it's a message that surrounds the birth narrative of Jesus, and it's a message that goes along with Jesus' teaching among the disciples and the crowds, and of course, that it's a message that surrounds the resurrection narrative. Over and over, do not be afraid. And we keep talking about it in large part for that very reason, because it's a statement that just keeps showing up. So it is reasonable to assume that since do not be afraid is spoken so often, it must be addressing a reality that also permeates the story. That there must be a lot of fear swirling around in the biblical account, and indeed there is. And we can assume that it is true not just in the biblical story, but in our own stories, that there must be a lot of fear swirling around in our own experience of living. And indeed, there is. So we keep talking about fear and how to face it, how to overcome it, how to live through it and beyond it, because it is the story of our biblical forebears and because it is our own story. The truth is we are not just waving our hands at something that is irrelevant or unimportant. There is a lot of fear around us and within us, in our memories and in our our anticipations. And when I say that there's a lot of fear swirling around, you can connect the dots between that widely felt fear and so many other emotions and actions in our society, right? That is, you detect the influence of fear whenever you wonder about why there's so much anger. So much anger in our sociocultural conversations, in our politics, even in our churches. You recognize that fear is at the root of a lot of that anger, that upset, that obsession with self-protection, with condemnation of the other with insistence on my rights and standing up for people like me, what often sounds like determination or conviction or even righteous anger is actually fear. For example, do you wonder why there are so many guns and so much commitment, even obsession, with having and keeping and owning firearms? The picture that is painted by some in relation to the matter of having easy access and every kind of firearm is a picture that features freedom as the basis of gun ownership. But I don't think that's it. I think it's about fear. Fear of perceived powerlessness or fear of loss of influence. Guns for many are meant to represent strength, independence, self-reliance, but they more accurately represent fear no matter which end of the barrel of the gun one might find oneself on. And do you know of any politicians anymore who really care about problem solving? Or is their agenda almost always one of stoking fear of the opposition, which are now most often no longer designated as opponents, 
but named as the enemy. The message of politics these days, that the other side, if they gain more power, if they have their way, will ruin us, ruin our country, ruin our future. And we are afraid of that. And our news media, whichever media you consume, plays along, providing a continuous diet of fear. We are fed a diet not just of bad news, but we are fed a steady diet of news about existential threat and imminent danger and impending destruction. So why does the topic of fear keep coming up? Because the swirl of fear is so pervasive in our lives, so influential. Anger, suspicion, reactivity, the intense urge for self-protection, resource hoarding, vilifying the stranger, racism, homophobia, nationalism, anti-immigrant impulses, jumping to unfounded conclusions about the other, all these things have their roots in fear. And this is not new. Whenever we are in a time of uncertainty or significant change or deep partisan divide or violent reactionism, fear rises. And it's not just our story. It's the story of the scriptures, of the gospel narrative, especially in terms of everything that leads most directly to the crucifixion. The disciples, after Jesus was arrested, were filled with fear. In the gospel accounts, that fear first elicits an angry and violent response there in the Garden of Gethsemane as one of the disciples swings a sword. John's gospel says that it was Peter, although the other gospels don't name who it was. Not much later, after Jesus has been taken away, Peter denies knowing Jesus. He's afraid to be associated with Jesus, afraid apparently for his very life. At the crucifixion, the women are the ones who are present. The other disciples, the men, have disappeared. Is it because they are already hiding? Fear. Fight or flight. It's all on display. But then comes the story of Easter morning. And in Matthew's account, there is a kind of intensity there at the tomb, an intensity that's sure to shake things up. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary show up at the tomb, and there is an earthquake as an angel descends from heaven, rolls back the stone, and sits on it. Apparently, there are guards there, too, at the tomb, and they shake and become like dead men, as the Scripture puts it. We would say they were scared to death. But the angel says to the two women, do not be afraid. Are they actually afraid? There's no initial indication that they are. They aren't shaking like the guards. They don't seem to be taken with fear when the angel speaks to them, although once they have their instructions to go and tell the disciples, the scripture story says they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. But their fear as it is doesn't paralyze them. And as they are running to go and complete the task of telling the others, suddenly Jesus himself meets them and says, greetings. They stop and they must recognize him because the scripture says that they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus says, do not be afraid, before he too sends them off to tell the other disciples, to tell the other disciples where to go next and where they will see the risen Christ. So twice in the story for this morning, the women are told, do not be afraid. But here's the curious thing. 
The statement doesn't seem to be a statement meant to calm them down or reassure them that they aren't in any immediate danger. So what does it mean? When Jesus says to them, do not be afraid, he's not talking about immediate danger. He's not talking about impending death. So what does he mean? Is he talking about what is behind them? Do not be afraid of earthquakes and angels. Is he talking about the immediate assignment that he's given to them? Do not be afraid to go and tell the other disciples that I have risen. Is he talking about the surprise of what is happening in the very moment? Do not be afraid of the risen Christ himself. Is he talking about the future, especially the parts of it that are still unknown? Do not be afraid of everything that is still coming down the pike that you can't yet see and don't yet understand. What fear is he talking about? Don't be afraid of what? I wonder whether he is saying, don't be afraid of this good news. Isn't that an interesting thought? Don't be afraid of this good news of resurrection. Does that make any sense to us? After all, we're used to being afraid of bad things, of dangers, real and imagined. We're used to being afraid of suffering, persecution, loss of control, oppression, destruction, death. But don't be afraid of good news? Let's talk about that a little bit this morning. Because I think that's what the angel may be telling them. And then a little later, that may be what Jesus is also telling the two women. Don't be afraid of this good news of resurrection. And don't be afraid to tell this good news of resurrection. And maybe that means something like this. Don't be afraid of what others will say when you talk about something as unusual and unlikely as resurrection. Or something as unusual and unlikely as the transformative power of love. Or something as unusual and unlikely as any powerful good. Don't be afraid of telling this good news, knowing full well that when you talk about resurrection or the power of life over death, of love over hate, of peace over violence, that others will say things like, you are crazy. You're deluded. You're a liar. You're naive. Don't be afraid of this good news. Don't be afraid of telling this good news. That is, don't be afraid of looking foolish because you see life where others are certain there is only death. Don't be afraid of ruining your reputation, your carefully crafted public persona, the one that makes you appear solid, appropriately cynical, and of course reliable and a realist. Don't be afraid that this Jesus is risen stuff is going to ruin all that. Don't be afraid of having faith on your lips, even when you don't have proof in your pocket. Don't be afraid of this good news. Now, you might say, that's crazy in itself. Who's afraid of good news? People are only afraid of the bad, of danger, destruction, death. No one is afraid of the good. No one is afraid of the good news. Really? I think plenty of people are afraid of the good news. Because if the good news of resurrection, of life overcoming death is true, we're going to have to change in some significant ways. 
If this good news is true, we may have our lives, inside and out, transformed in some significant ways, letting go of some familiar and comfortable things, turning away from protecting and toward embracing. If the good news of resurrection is true, if the good news of love winning out is true, if the good news of vulnerability being more powerful than bullying is true, if the good news that all are loved and all are saved by love because God's agenda is saving the world, not condemning the world, is true, if all of that good news is true, then we're going to have to trust God at a whole new level to take us and change us. Oh, my goodness, you don't even have an amen for that. People, people. And we are going to have to become people of hope, not cynicism. We are going to have to seek justice, not revenge. We are going to have to serve others rather than grab for ourselves. We are going to have to stand up for what is right and believe that the cost of standing up for what is right, whatever that cost is, will be worth it. If not for our own benefit, then for the sake of humankind. If we would stop being afraid of the good news, then maybe we would speak the good news and share the good news and live the good news of new life. And we wouldn't care a whit anymore about criticism, rejection, judgment, or mocking by any and all of the naysayers. The good news, Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And so life wins. Love wins. You can't stop it. You can't even slow it down. Good news, life is going to find a way. It's going to find a way. Hate and violence and injustice and judgment will not have the last word in this world. Stones are going to be rolled away. Crosses are going to be dismantled. Empires are going to fall. Religion is going to be shown for what it is. If it is hateful and false, it will fail. If it is humanizing and redemptive, it will thrive. There is good news, and don't be afraid of this good news. Don't be afraid to share this good news. Don't be afraid. On this designated good news day, on this Easter day, do you want to get a start on this? Deciding you won't be afraid, not only of the bad news, but you won't be afraid of the good news, the good news of new life, the good news of a new kind of new life. Then how about this? When you leave this place, or maybe even before you leave this place, share this good news. That is, how about you go and tell someone who isn't expecting any good news that you are for them. Say, I am for you. I am here for you. Or tell someone who isn't expecting any good news that you have news for them. I love you. Don't just say God loves you, but say I love you. Because when you love them, the neighbor, the stranger, the opponent, the enemy, then God is loving them. Don't be afraid of the good news. Don't be afraid to share the good news. Do something that affirms life, new life. 
a new kind of new life. Do something to help another human. Do something to serve another human. Do something to heal another human. Do something to make the world right for another human. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Speak some hope. Speak some faith. Speak the conviction of life and love. Don't be afraid of the good news. Don't be afraid to be the good news. Don't be afraid. On Easter, there is no more fear. Life was taken down by death and got right back up. Betrayal did not win. Abandonment did not win. Violence did not win. Hell did not win. In Christ, in the resurrected Christ, life won. Love won. So do not be afraid. Because life will keep on winning. Love will keep on winning. Fear is on the floor. Hope is in the air. Amen.